This is Candlelands Media. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Folk Horror Podcast. This episode is going to be a little bit different because instead of Mike and I obsessing over the minutiae of folk horror movies and television shows, I have an interview for you with Mr. Darren Charles of Folk Horror Revival. Darren has organized with the Folk Horror Revival folks a fabulous witch cult event in Newcastle, England in July, and I'm going to talk to him about it. Now, I know from my podcast statistics that around half of the listeners to the show are in the United States, so you might be wondering, what's the point of learning about an event that I cannot attend? Well, first off, I did learn some interesting things from this interview, and I think you will too, as Mr. Charles is most knowledgeable on these witchy topics. But secondly, I included samples of all the musicians who will be appearing in the show, so that if you cannot attend the event due to immense long distances and deep bodies of water, you can at least get turned on to some awesome artists and hopefully do some further diving on your own. I'll have some links on the Boojum Pudding blog for you, so you can check them out further. Now, in feedback, I do have some uh, positive feedback from the awesome visual artist Mark Barrera, who says we're insightful and that he's uh, grateful for me to turning him on to Robin Redbreast. So thank you, Mark. Otherwise, my brother Carl has given me some more of his stuff to chew on. And once I start this music device, which will play some lovely music in the background, I'll tell you what he said. As before, go to the blog to see his full comments. They're all very insightful. But for the show, I'm more interested in things that we got wrong so we can correct our mistakes. Carl says, to start off with, that he did not think the Harvest Festival at the church was that weird. It looked to him like a normal Church of England Harvest Festival, which does have some non-Christian roots, but of course was the type of thing that the pilgrims brought over, which created the first Thanksgiving in America in 1621. Carl also says that the custom among ordinary English people is to call a priest of the Church of England a vicar. Mrs. Vigo calls him the parson, however, and what she explains to Nora is that the parson only comes to the church one out of every four Sundays. Carl would assume, for example, that he is the vicar for four different congregations and splits his Sundays between them or something like that. Now, regarding the Easter service that I thought was playing on the television, it doesn't really seem to be one, as Carl says, because the speaker on the television asks whether there really was such a person as Jesus Christ and whether he actually rose from the dead. So fair enough, doesn't sound like a Easter service that I would listen to if I was particularly religious. In other matters, in the old Robin Hood ballads, Robin Hood does bleed to death, as Mr. Fisher says. He gets ill as he gets older, and he goes to get a bleeding, which was a common medical treatment in the Middle Ages. He goes to his cousin, who is the prioress of Kirkley's Priory, for this treatment. But his cousin betrays him, and instead of performing the bleeding properly, intentionally cuts open a vein, causing him to bleed to death. Kirkley's Priory is now a ruin, but nearby there is a monument which is supposedly the grave of Robin Hood. Most say that this monument seems to be from the 18th century, but there are written references to the grave earlier, so maybe the current monument replaces an older one. Carl is not aware of any version of the story where Robin Hood's blood makes the crops grow. That seems to be Mr. Fisher's invention, or John Bowen's. The oldest Robin Hood stories are fairly realistic in that they don't have any magic or supernatural elements. Now, the mystery of the costumes at the end. Carl wonders if perhaps the solution comes from Euripides' play, The Bacchae, one of the most influential plays on John Bowen's uh, work. And through most of the play, the god Dionysus is in disguise, but eventually Pentheus begins to see through the disguise, which includes seeing horns growing from Dionysus' head. And looking at the name Robin, Carl says that Robin is just an ordinary English name. It is a diminutive of Robert, an old Germanic name known in England even before the Norman Conquest. Both Robert and Robin are very common names historically in England. What happened is that in the Middle Ages, English people had a strange custom of giving ordinary human names to birds. So the bird known as a daw was given the name Jack and is called the Jackdaw to this very day. The pie was named Mag, short for Margaret, and is still called Magpie. The wren was named Jenny, references to Jenny Wren are usually poetical. And of course, the redbreast was given the ordinary English boy's name Robin, becoming Robin Redbreast. After a while, this was just shortened to Robin, which is what the bird is called today. Thanks for the comments, Carl. It's great to have a fact checker for when we are unsure or unclear or just basically making things up. 
And now I think we'll get right into the interview with Darren Charles. As an opener, here is the trailer for Simon, King of the Witches, one of the films that will be shown during the event. Simon, King of the Witches, starring Andrew Prime. It's my office to warn you of extreme danger. The weird story of a modern-day warlock, a male witch, an evil spirit. Isn't a human sacrifice, is it? A totally new kind of movie experience. A new kind of high. Moloch reverse. Never have you seen anyone quite like Simon. I'll open this mirror at 1.33. The precise moment in time when the gods are unable to resist my thrust into their domain. Charge! 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 Simon, King of the Witches, is that once-in-a-lifetime film about witchcraft, black mass, witches' covens, curses, and incantations, about a man who curses the whole establishment when it turns against him, who then in turn destroys him. The evil spirit must choose evil. Go! Go! You gotta do something, man! Everything! Everything's going wrong, man! Oh, dear God's on high. So you push me down a thousand times, I'll climb back up. To start with, if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got involved with folk horror revival, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd actually organized uh, um, a couple of gigs in, in Newcastle, where, where I'm from. And what we did was we, we'd, we'd organized a couple of these sort of mini festivals. And we called them Unearthing Forgotten Horrors. And it was essentially um, a, a sort of combination of, of, of classic... Classic cult horror movies and so, somewhat left field um, musical performances. And um, shortly after the first one, I received a message on Facebook from from Andy Petorek saying, "Can't believe I missed this on my doorstep." And we we just got chatting from from there. And a few a few days later, we met for a coffee. Spent about four hours sat in the in the coffee shop talking about films and music and and. That was kind of the the point at which he said to me about it. Cre- it created a page on Facebook called Folk Horror, and um, at that point, he, he said, "Well, it's quite you know, it's quite good, but I, re- I think I'm going to create a group. Would you be interested in sort of getting involved and you know, along with a few others, helping me to kind of run it and stuff." So that's that's how it all came about, really. When were you doing the uh, unearthing forgotten horrors shows? Well, the first one was twenty thirteen. The second one was twenty fourteen. Okay. And it was it was literally, I think it was a couple of weeks after the very first one, or, or days, in fact, that Andy contacted me and said, "Look, you know, can't believe I've missed this on my doorstep." Because the the, for the very first one we screened um, the stone tape. Oh, cool. Uh, and blood on Satan's claw. <laughs> So he, he just couldn't believe he'd missed those two films, and 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 all the all the great music we had as well. I mean, we had um, Black Mountain Transmitter, who we're, we're well, we're bringing over for the for a folk horror event, which we'll discuss in a few minutes, and English Heretic, and it was a great sort of combination of of artists that we we kind of put on this these first. These early events that I'd done with, uh, with with my friend Chris, and so Andy got involved in the second one in 2014, and just kind of had some some arty stuff going on in the foyer, uh, in between films and artists and stuff. It was quite, it was, you know, it was quite interesting. And had you been a, I know, I know you're a DJ. Had you been sort of doing this sort of thing for a while, like DJing, playing music, uh, screening films, that sort of thing? Not really. Again, the the first uh, Unearthing Forgotten Horrors event 
was what kind of spurred that spurred me into action as a, as a DJ. At the time, Jim Peters had actually created a mix that we kind of used to promote the very first event. Um, and it was a mixture of, of sort of samples and, and tracks from, from those who were involved. And it was really quite well received. And we got it played on a, on a local radio station. And the guy who ran the radio station um, was a guy called Craig. And he got in touch afterwards and said, look, you know, this was really, really popular. Would you like to, to, to do like a weekly video show? To which I said, of course, of course, <laughs> you know, it'd be great. Love to do it. So that was that was how that all came about. So it's quite bizarre, quite bizarre that it all came from this this kind of this unearthed and forgotten horrors life event. Yeah, it it just kind of seems like everything kind of exploded all at once, you know, with with, mm. with all of these all of these things. Everyone was so inspired. It seems like that just things kept rolling, you know. Yeah. What inspired this particular event? What was it that made you wanted to do this this uh, witch themed event? Personal reasons, I think, partly. I've, I've just completed an MA at the end of last year uh, in history, and my dissertation was on uh, early modern witchcraft. Oh, wow. So it's a personal interest in that, in that topic that, that kind of led us, well, le- led me to, to kind of focus in this event in on, on witchcraft in particular. Yeah. What I, what I really wanted to do, uh, what I think we're, going, we're, we're achieving with this, is to bring together a sort of interesting group of people who really do have something to say about witchcraft or, you know, um, and just kind of create this interesting event that people can go away from and say, well, actually, yeah, I've, I've taken something away with me, so now I've learned something, I've kind of, you know, grown in understanding so that's what kind of what we're hoping for yeah for sure well let's go through the different performers and the the movies and discuss them and maybe we could start with the speakers yeah of course we'll start with diane perkis one of the most eminent uh, experts in the field of witchcraft from the early modern period her book the witch in history is absolutely fantastic teaches us so much about gender within that period it's really fascinating for, uh, as, a, as a sort of a, a feminist study, really, I think you would call it. So she, she's going to be giving a talk. It's uh, Who's who's Scary Now? Scottish Witches in the Realms of the Dead. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great name. That's a great title. Yeah, I mean, Diane is, is she, you know, she, she, she's, a, she's a brilliant speaker. I've seen YouTube videos and stuff of her. I've never had the pleasure to actually see her speak in... in yeah, live in front of me, sort of thing. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing her. And it it seems like the theme of sort of feminism tied with with witchcraft is sort of a, a common thread. I mean, even if just watching the most recent movie, The Witch, you get that strong feeling of yeah people's fear of the feminine. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 in, you know it's certainly um, in a lot of the, the the literature that we're seeing that coming out. In the, in the recent, recent last few years, Ronald Hutton's recent book, The Witch, kind of builds on that as well. In, in that early modern period, I mean, there is to some extent a fear of, of, of the feminine and a fear of, of I, would, I would say, a, the, kind of a uh, fear of the unknown in terms of the, the patriarchal society, you know, it's... It, the feminine is seen as something slightly unknown, slightly that people don't quite understand. But also, it's it's there's there's so much more to it as well. Um, I mean, that's really just kind of a, a a beginning point. And there's so many other interesting aspects that you can look at with regards to the persecution of witches in that period. And I mean, we. we we could sit here for hours on it, literally talking about that topic. Uh, it is such a such a such a really big topic. I mean, some 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 books you will read that kind of really sort of identify with the idea of, of the um, the gender aspect of it, and others will say, "Well, no, it's 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 more of something else." And, but it, it, it there are so many different things going on within Europe in general at that time and 
the same with same in the US. I mean, with um, with the, the the case at Salem and, and everything. And all of these, are, you know, all of these are slightly different. You got so many different ideas and there's so many different things happening. If we if we look at to Britain, a lot of it comes from the turmoil of the of the civil war that was ongoing and the the political the, the political and religious unrest in in the 17th century. That really led to the Matthew Hopkins incident. <laughs> incident seems a little bit of a yeah. Um, <laughs> Downplaying yeah, it just a bit. Um, but it's you know it's it's a huge huge thing that you can kind of follow down many avenues. All all very valid. All you know the. I personally look at view it as a sort of uh, amalgamation of, of different reasons why things happen in that era. So uh, let's move to Gail Gail Nina Anderson then. Yeah, Gail Nina, Nina Anderson. She's a wonderful local art historian who generally gets asked is you, if somebody wants wants somebody to to talk about something a little bit dark, a little bit gothic. Gail Nina Anderson is 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 your woman. She's she's fantastic. Fantastic speaker. I saw her quite recently actually giving a talk on, on witches and um, our perceptions of witches in art. That was really good. But she's got a, something new planned for this one. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing her. Yeah, I, I saw her. The name of her talk was uh, uh, Hecate or the Horned Man. Was there a god of the witches? That sounds great. Yeah. It's it's going to be a good one, that one. Looking forward to it. I don't know much more than that at the moment, so um, she's given me the title, but um, I'm, re- I'm really quite quite keen to see where where that one heads, because that, that sounds like a really good talk to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you, you're listed as one of the speakers, and now I know that you, you, have, you have expertise in this area, too. What, what will your focus be on? What, what will you be talking about? I'll, I'll be discussing the historical accuracy, or lack thereof, in cinematic adip- adaptions of early modern witch trials. So I'll, I'll be looking at Witchfinder General, films like uh, Witch Hammer, those sorts of, you know... Um, Monty Python and the, the Holy Grail? <laughs> <laughs> Mark of the Devil, Mark of the Devil. Okay. And rather interestingly, there's... Um, I don't know if you've seen Inside Number Nine. Uh, no, I don't think so. There's, there's an episode of Inside Number Nine. Inside Number Nine is a... British TV comedy series starring Reese Shearsmith and his um one of his partners from League of Gentlemen, Steve Pemberton. Steve Pemberton. It's a, it's a really good series. It's quite a sort of dark comedy, and it's a different thing each episode. One of those is is a book called The Trial of Elizabeth Gadge, and it's a wonderful short film. It's only about twenty five minutes long. And it actually tells us more about the truth of witchcraft trials in, in England than any other piece of film <laughs> you can imagine. It's crazy. It's great. And it's 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 all played for you know, for laughs. But yeah, there's a lot of truth in that one, which is interesting. They do I mean they they, they get one big thing wrong and that is the the witches are burned at the stake, which of course never happened in England. But other than that, other than that, it's it's really very accurate, more so than most of the films. <laughs> well, not to get too gruesome, but was it what hanging, drowning? What what was the? It was hanging in England. Yeah. Yeah. Rather interestingly, though, if you headed across the border into Scotland, witches were burnt. So yeah. Regional differences, I guess. Yeah. 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 Also on the list here is uh, Bob Beagry, poet playwright. Yeah, yeah. Bob, Bob's really good. I've worked with Bob on a few things before, folk horror revival things, and he's always very, very good. He's, he, he writes a lot of um, stuff in, in, in regional dialect, but a sort of antiquated regional dialect. And last Christmas we did a, an event in, in Whitby called Winter Ghosts, and Bob and his backing band performed his his epic poem Lisum Spell and it's all done in sort of a thousand year old dialect and it is absolutely brilliant and Bob is 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 just tremendous he's, he really is for this event he's going to be doing some stuff on um, from the sort of Civil War period 
and there's a bit of witchcraft in there and so that should be really good he'll be reading po- he'll be reading poetry or- so yeah 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 right. he'll be reading poetry with some some musical accompaniment and w- when you say regional dialect yeah is, is there something specific of like your area of england and of newcastle uh well yeah we is that what we're talking about well, in, uh, well uh bob is from slightly further south he's from uh, from teesside which is um middlesbrough uh, and they have a again they have their own sort of regional accent dialect um and so bob tends to to, to use that but yeah uh, the north of east of england in general has has really strong sort of um dialectic roots and in newcastle we're known as geordies and yeah. we we have a completely different <laughs> dialect to, to most of the rest of England. I personally don't think I've, I've got too much of an accent, but um, yeah, a lot of other people in our region do have really strong ones. All right, well, let's. Uh, you got a lot of uh, live music going on. And I, I do want to ask, is this, is are all the events, are there events happening concurrently or is it all like one thing going through the, through the, like, what is it, 12 hours? Is it all, you know, one thing after another? Well, what we what we've done... We've kept. We've got two rooms. We've got a cinema room and we have a a, a, a sort of a gig room. Uh, in the cinema room, we're going to run. We've got a five-hour block of film that we're going to run twice, so that you can kind of dip in and dip out. And in the other room, through the afternoon, we're going to we're going to start off with the talks, and then a bit of music, and a bit of theatre, and then some more music. So it's going to be. We're going to have two things on at all times. But because we're going to screen the films twice, it's going to give you a chance to kind of duck in and out of things to try, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's clashing with something you really want to see, it's also on again later. Could you tell me about the venue as well? Yeah, venue. Um, it's a, an independent cinema called The Star and Shadow. Okay, that's a great name for the, for the cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It's, they've actually just moved to new premises just opened in the last couple of weeks i mean it's an incredible thing because they've built the thing from from a shell themselves volunteers because the cinema is run by volunteers they actually many of them learned trades in order to do the work themselves initially it was anticipated it would take them a year but it's taken them more like three i think (laughs) but they've done it you know pretty much on their own all in-house and you know it's just it's wonderful to see yeah and that's kind of the feel i got from folk horror revival where you guys are learning how to produce books and how to how to how, you know how to make how to have events that can go on and just everybody's learning just to, to make these up with these wonderful products yeah it's really cool yeah 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 well yeah i mean you know if people think think they're great then we're really happy it's it's a it's a labor of love for us we don't take anything from it except the satisfaction of, of seeing seeing these things in print or putting these events together yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and seeing people come up to you afterwards and say that was amazing you know there's nothing there's nothing better than being told that something you, you've done is amazing right or you know, they, that, they've, that they've enjoyed it it's 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 a wonderful thing to hear just to see people that have enjoyed it and people have found it interesting. And with the books, the, we, we have the added added bonus of um, every penny going to the Wildlife Trusts. Uh, and it's all going to great sort of grassroots level projects. And we've had a variety of different things, uh, red squirrels and beavers, all kinds of of. of of wonderful, wonderful um, wildlife projects that have benefited from those books. So we're, we're we're very proud of that. Very proud of it indeed. It's literally grassroots now. I mean, it's for for the meadows, right? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a great that's a great charity right now. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's move to the live music. So tell me first, we have Black Mountain Transmitter. Yeah, yeah. I've just found. I mean, I've found all these these great bands. Um, I've just been checking out their their social media pages. But tell me about Black Mountain Transmitter. Um, yeah, a Black Mountain Transmitter is um, a hard one to describe in a lot of ways. It's a Lovecraftian 
electronic noise, I guess you would say, in some respects, because it goes way beyond that description. Is it one person? Is that is that the? It, it, it's it's one man, yeah, one man, and a series of uh, electronic bits and pieces. And as I say, he played at the first Nothing Forgotten Horrors event, and he's just absolutely sublime. It really is. It, it's just amazing, electronic, creepy scary perfect for, for what we're doing I, I think everybody that comes to, comes to the event will will be blown away by by james and his his um performance because he is absolutely wonderful The next person I see on here, it seems like it's almost the the, the opposite. Georgia Georgia Seddon. Yeah, Georgia Seddon. She's classically trained. She's a classically trained pianist, and she's actually the daughter of Mike Heron. Right, right. From the Incredible String Band. That's amazing. Yeah. And she's a, she's an incredibly talented musician in her own right and songwriter. And we met Georgia. Um, our Edinburgh event, Mike uh, came down and um, gave us a give a talk, give a chat, and a few bits from his book and stuff. And um, Georgia came to see him. You know, and, um, they're a, they're a, they're a fantastic group of people. Uh, the whole family are just lovely, lovely people, and really supportive. You know, and so when we when we kind of put which culture together, I thought, well. Be great to have Georgia come, you know, because we she lives between Glasgow and uh, Newcastle, so she's kind of she has she lives sort of between the two cities. So it would be great to have her here. So we we just asked. She said, oh, "Of course, yeah, yeah, she'd love to." So she's going to come down and, and do a set of of her own material, and yeah, yeah, she's very 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 good. Um, the songs are really, really quite sort of um, sweet. Yeah, I saw she played with Trembling Bells, and I, I love them, so that's that's great. Yeah, yeah, and of course Trembling Bells is, uh, yeah. There's nothing more folk horror than Trembling Bells, I think. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I have the name here, but I don't have any information. Natalie Stern? Yeah, Natalie Stern is... Um, she performs locally a lot. She's um, she's actually from Sweden, but she lives in Newcastle. And again, she's okay. she does a, a set with a, a very Lovecraft-based theme to it, but quite different to what Black Mountain Transmitted does. Um, Natalie, again, there's a lot of electronics involved, but Natalie uses voices a lot. What she'll do is she'll loop voices to kind of make make a backing track and things, and intersperse that with with electronics and some spoken word. Really, 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 very good. Is it's um it's quite different. I don't think there's anybody does quite what Natalie does, and it, it, she's excellent. And she assures me that the set that she's been working on for this is 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 gonna gonna blow everybody's minds I think <laughs> the ending the ending the ending the ending the ending the ending the end the ending the ending the ending the ending the ending the ending the end the ending 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 the
And next down here, we have the Hartwood Institute. Yeah, Hartwood Institute. Again, electronic-based. It's just one guy, a guy called Jonathan. Um, most recent album is called Secret Rights. The front cover has a picture of Maxine Sanders. So you, you kind of know where you're at before you even before you even put the record on the turntable. It's fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Uh, if you like that sort of 1970s electronic film score mixed with loads of sort of samples from these early 70s witchcraft documentaries, like Witchcraft 70. Yeah, uh, Witchcraft 70 and Secret Rights and all those sort of things. You know, if you like those, Legend of the Witch is another one. If you like those documentaries, there's loads of sort of samples taken from those. So that felt absolutely perfect for this event, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. We invoke the Queen of the Wings, Arada, Arada, For the next next group, I I googled Peg Powler and I came, it came up that Peg Powler is a hag and water spirit in English folklore. Yeah, that inhabits the River Tees. Yes, yes. Obviously, they they are not. And I, I stress this: they are not the hag from the River Tees. Because I thought that might be like a liability. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Peg Powler, a folk band from from Teesside. So it's it's part of their local folklore. So they've adapted that into into their their is their name and I do believe there was a song about her as well but their songs do often take a sort of dark turn as it were their the singer Sarah um, a wonderful wonderful voice and she really kind of brings these dark folk stories to, to life I think um, she's wonderful um, and the whole, whole group are you know really really good stuff but yeah, looking forward to seeing them as well because it's, I've never actually seen them as a group, but I have seen Sarah do other things, and she is a tremendous vocalist. Um, yeah, I, I heard the the Peg Powler song about Peg Powler on uh, on on the internet. It sounded, sounded great. Yeah, yeah. Well, to those who dwell by the banks of the river Tees, the threat of hell lies beneath the swell that'll make your warm blood freeze. Dwelling in hell's kettles, the wells beneath the Tees, a grindy low with eyes that glow is waiting patiently. And all the worried mothers say, well, next up we have Hokano. I guess that's Andy Hokano. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, it's his his side project. Obviously, Andy's more famous for Psychogeographical Commission and uh, Chunyid. Um, but Hokano is his his current solo project. This. Uh, this particular piece is based on an album he's just put together looking at the Newcastle Witch Trials of 1650. He took a lot of field recordings from, from various sites around the city that are associated with the trials. And I know he was, he was doing field recordings where the victims were hanged. Wow, I had no idea there was a local connection with of Newcastle and, and, and witch trials. Yeah, it's 16, in 1650... There were 30, 30 people accused by a, 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 a Scottish witch pricker, and 15 were hanged in the end. And it's the second biggest witch panic in England after Matthew Hopkins. So, 
interested in the local folklore. That's another reason why we, we wanted to do this in Newcastle because of the that that history there because it is part of our yeah our our history. Um, so we felt it was it was appropriate to do it in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. M- most Americans have heard of Newcastle, uh, the beer, and that's that's about it. You know, that's, <laughs> so that's what we, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Newcastle um, Brown Ale. Right, right. <laughs> have next marcus h yeah marcus h is um a chap who lives in uh saltburn which is on the east coast uh northeast coast i don't know a great deal about him um in all honesty he contacted me a while ago sent me some music and said i'd really love to play and pretty blown away actually it's it's really kind of nice ambient electronic stuff with it with it with a with a sense of sort of menace about it yeah i was just noticing that that he's been you know mentioned you have here that he's mentioned in mojo wire magazine the quietest you know it's that's 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 great yeah so yeah really looking forward to seeing what he comes up with for the day as well Let's move on. We have the the theatrical presentation. Which is she, or is that the name of it? Which is she, or isn't she? Is that right? I think it's just called which. And uh, part of the part of the the adver- advertisement campaign was okay. is she or isn't she? Uh, a lady called Tracy Norman has written the play. She's used real recorded evidence to inform her play. And the play is, is essentially a witch trial. It's there are only three performers, but it's 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 incredibly powerful and incredibly interesting. Um, and I and I know Tracy's also going through afterwards. She's going to kind of um, she's got some some photocopies of documents and things to show people so that people can kind of interact with with where where she's drawn her evidence from to 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 kind of. Where she's get you know, the evidence she's used to kind of uh, build up her her play, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But yeah, it looks it, it, you know, it's they, they've, um, they've 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 been performing all over the south. This is the furthest north they'll have come, and they're really excited to to be joining us. I mean, they've they they, they keep been taken back to the Museum of Witchcraft in, in Boscastle because it's so popular. So I'm really looking forward to, to, to bringing them up and, and seeing the play um, in Newcastle. That sounds great. And then just to mention, it says uh, performed by Circle of Spears Productions. So I guess that's their production company. Yeah. That, that sounds really great. And that it's le- and it's left open so that the, the audience can kind of uh, gather their own ideas of, of what really happened, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, let's move to movies then. We have first off Simon King of the Witches. That looks hilarious. Oh, it's it's, it's brilliant. It is um, it, it, early seventies campy, hulky, um, witchcraft nonsense, really. But it's fun. Yeah. It's fun, and it's it, it, it gives a little bit of a different vibe to the day. 
that a lot of the talks and stuff are quite serious. And I think having something that's just that little bit camp and that little bit kitsch. So I, I think that lightens things up. And it's, it's, it is a wonderful um, piece of that sort of psychedelic madness of, of the late 60s, early 70s period. As I say, it's just a lot of fun. And then the other major motion picture, I guess, uh, full-length movie, I should say, uh, is Witchcraft 70, but you're going to be showing the Italian print of that. So tell me about that. Yeah, the Italian print has has extra scenes in, featuring um, Maxine and Alex Sanders. Very much looking forward to it. I I, I personally haven't seen the Italian print yet. So I I am very much looking forward to watching it. I've only ever seen the British print, but that's something I'm really looking forward to. It's a great documentary. It's 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 a fascinating piece of of um, of its of its period, you know. Much much like Simon King of the Witches, it's it's an it's a, a fascinating piece of of that that period of time, but from a different obviously from a different aspect because this looks at it. Um, with a bit of seriousness, it's a documentary. It's not a, a, a sort of um, a made-up movie. It's, it's Anton LaVey's in there. It is a documentary, but it is kind of more of like a Mondo style, where it's like it's slightly like exploitation, but it's still the real the real people that are. Yeah, that yeah, are, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it is an Italian movie too. Yeah. 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 Luigi Scatini, I have here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything else from him. I think that's, I think that's the only thing I've ever seen by him. Yeah, but, I did a look on IMDb, and it's all this sort of, you know, sort of softcore or like ex, uh, exploitation or you know that that sort yeah. of thing of. Well, see, um, fun stuff. In that period, it was it was quite popular for for people to look for things that they could use um, to kind of buffer up against something that's slightly erotic or, or whatever and and in that period witchcraft was one of those things that they that was hot i suppose you would say it was popular and then you have a number of short films i guess the first one i have listed here is bella in the witch elm yeah so for people who don't who have no idea what the story is maybe you could quickly tell me uh briefly tell me what the uh what's the story of that it's a story from the northwest of england um, where I think it was 19, uh, 1943 and a, a group of young boys discover a body inside an elm tree and that triggers off a whole host of who was the woman in the, in, in the elm tree and um, there's an awful lot of stories about it and, and it, it became a real big sort of folklore thing and Famously, there was some graffiti scrawled across a wall saying, who put Bella in the witch elm? Which is where the title comes from. But it's a, it's a sort of, a sort of semi-documentary video by a guy called Tom Lee Rutter. And it is absolutely brilliant. It's about half an hour long, if I remember off the top of my head. And it is very, very good. And people are going to really, really enjoy this. It's, it's beautifully crafted on a minuscule budget uh, Tom has done an absolute um, it, it, he's done absolutely amazing with this film and it's been winning awards and all sorts of, of late so I'm looking forward to the feedback we get about that one because I think that's he's, he's got a great really bright future ahead of him in film yeah yeah, I, and you can see the trailer for it online, so it's it's worth even checking that out to, to see that. Also, we have American Witch, which is a documentary. Is that is that like a modern thing about American witchcraft? Yeah, yeah, it's it's about modern American witchcraft. It's Scarlet and Marist and Melissa Saint Hello. Yeah, um, it's actually not the full finished thing. They, they, what they've done is they've constructed a, a sort of short 10-minute film uh, for us as a sort of sampler for a, for a much longer project that they, they're currently working on, exploring stories of practitioners and how, how witchcraft has changed their lives. 
It sounds really, really, really interesting. And the, the short film that we have is absolutely fantastic. Really looking forward to when they get get the, the completed full-length film, because I think it's going to be a, an absolutely wonderful thing to watch. And let's see, uh, Gary Parsons, who's also a Full Core Revival uh, member, or administrator, I guess you'd say, is he has two films that are that are going to be shown. What what are those? Yeah, um, first one is Thalema, and second is Conjuration. Thalema is um, it was actually partly shot at the Abbey of Thalema in Sicily, and it's it, it's a great piece of film. It, it, it deals very much with with the, the Lovecraftian sort of um, ideas. Um, not sorry, Cr- Crowley's ideas, right? Not not Lovecraftian. I do apologise. Um, deals with a lot of uh, Crowley's um, ideas and uh, writing, um, and it's 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 very very interesting and much like Kenneth Anger. It's it's kind of Gary's interpretation of, of what look Crowley, um, <laughs> what Crowley was trying to say with his his, his work. And it's very very good. Uh, whereas Conjuration's based on an Alexandrian ritual, and that was shot um, in a variety of different locations around the world. It was shot in in Egypt, uh, Avebury, Stonehenge. Pompeii, so it, it gets around a bit with these. Again, that's, that's a fascinating um, film, well worth well worth checking out. Uh, just to explain, Alexandrian is a, a school of, of of witchcraft from England, correct? Right. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um yeah, but it's it, Alexandrian witchcraft is um, the school of witchcraft uh, set up by. Uh, Alexander and his wife Maxine. And well, just to wrap it up, who could be a better compare? Uh, yeah, Andy Pachorik, our our creator, as you, if you'd like, um, will be uh, comparing the event and giving us a few little tasters of, of um, a new publication, uh, which is coming from Weird, Weird Harvest Press, the Witch Hunters Manual. So Andy's going to be reading sections from that um, as well. And we're hoping to have that available on the day for people to buy. We're hoping to launch that uh, at which cults event. So that would be another cool thing to do. And he's cut, that, that book is uh, Andy's illustrated it, and it's written by Dr. Bob Curran. So I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds like a great time, and it's 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 so once again it's uh, what from noon to one a.m. It's July. July 14th. And tickets are available. How do people get tickets? Tickets are available from the Eventbrite link. Uh, okay. If you go to the com blog and look through the, the posts on there, you can find a link that will take you through into the, uh, into the Eventbrite page. And there are T-shirts available already. You can Yes, can... T-shirts are already available. Those, those look great, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they'll be uh, available on the day as well. Cool. Well, well, thank you, Darren. This has been wonderful. It looks sounds like a really great event. Are you going to document it in some way, or so that people can kind of, or at least pictures or something? Hopefully, we'll do we'll do something. We'll there'll be photographs, and we'll see if we can maybe record bits or, or you know just get a little bit of footage. Yeah, but it will be nothing like actually getting to go to there. So people should definitely attend. If it was happening, you know, within a couple hours of where I live, I'd I'd be there in a heartbeat. So, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Neil. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. society and they and their covens practice and believe in witchcraft and satan 
in much the same manner as Christians practice Christianity and believe in Christ. Allow us, if you will, to show you one of the most shocking realities of the 70s. Witchcraft 70 takes you on a documentary journey in search of Satan and Satan's followers. Hidden camera techniques make available to us for the first time a true study of the morbid, black, and often erotic world of the witch. They and their covens conduct their obscene rituals almost everywhere. We found voodoo in New Orleans, a black mass in London, the Raspagin bloodbath of Rio, a female initiation in Southampton, and at the end, possibly the most shocking and bizarre ever, a hippie commune in California in a witchcraft ceremony that defies description. was drugged into submission, and now she's a witch. There are others like her, all of them making a conscious effort to defy the laws of God and spread the word of Satan. You'll get to know some of them in Witchcraft 70. And we close out our interview there with the audio from the trailer for Witchcraft 70. Thanks again to Darren. It sounds like a great event. Wish I could be there. And that'll do it for this episode. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. Then I'll hopefully have an interview with Jim Peters about the Harvest Hymns book, which I just received in the mail today. And Mike Schwartz and I will also be discussing the very confusing Redshift. And Mike was here in the studio, uh, which was a lot of fun, except that uh, he he likes to maintain eye contact with me, which I found really uh, unnerving. Redshift by Alan Garner. We'll be mostly discussing the TV movie, but also the novel to some extent. I have Region 2 DVDs of Redshift for sale at the Candle Ends Media Folk Horror Store. It's kind of being overhauled right now, but you can get to it through the Boojum Pudding blog. Follow us on Facebook slash Candle Ends Media. Follow Candle hyphen ends on Twitter. Follow Mike on Twitter at HappyWanderer13 or Candle Ends Media on Instagram. Email me at neil at candle hyphen ends dot com. Send me your letters or your audio, and we can include it on the show. See you next time, and may you never weigh the same as a duck.